Right, I'll tell you what life's not about. What's that? Fucking acrylic nails. These are horrible. I love them in theory, but they're... I, I can't functionally exist in them. I, I um went to a nail place, Phoenix and I, and I just wanted pa- like the the like chrome or holographic like nail paint on them. Mm-hmm. But without really asking, they just glued plastic onto my fingers. <laughs> really thick plastic. I need help to open a can now. I I just want like a can of, of pop and i can't do it the main thing you don't want is you don't want the acrylic nails to be too long because then you start running into problems like how do i wipe my fucking ass right a problem like acrylic nails can become hugely inconvenient they were longer we've like taken some clippers to them when we got home which that was a, a risk they were pinging off with the the force of a bullet everywhere i mean they're really pretty they're like um Holographic silver glitter, so they look like a, a shiny uh, panini sticker or a shiny pog. Um, <gasps> oh. It was something for Pride of the Ring, the um, LGBTQ plus wrestling show I'm doing on Saturday. Uh, thought I'd go sort of glammed up a bit, but I just wanted like gel on them, like gel paint or something. But without asking, and you know me, when something's happening to me, it's not like I'm gonna like stop it happening yeah i'm too passive and scared for that so i just let these people like bolt enamel not enamel uh, acrylic <laughs> just bolt thick acrylic onto my fingers and i i'm not sure if it's autism or ocd that is really bothering me about having plastic glued to my fingers but I can't stop playing with them. I think it could be both. Right? I'm obsessed with, like, <laughs> pinching at them or, like, not necessarily chewing, but, like, putting the, them sideways into my mouth and just pressing on them with my teeth. Um, I want to rip them off. I, I I want them off. All I can think about is the, the sheer relief that I'm going to feel when they're off. I don't like this, gang. I don't like this. I I am sorry to hear that you are having a bad bad time with your fingers. They're so pretty though. I can at least say that there is something that you know it won't undo the fact that you've got like talons right now, but it'll Listen. be a nice thing separately. <laughs> Listen to this. Look. <sighs> right. Yep. Nails shouldn't make that noise. Well. Right, yeah. You know what, last week on the podcast, you were mentioning you've never seen, like, an ingot in real life. Never seen an ingot in real life. Never never been in the vicinity of an ingot in real life. I've, I've never been lucky enough to uh, be in the shared presence of an ingot, steel or otherwise. I mean, I wouldn't be so sure. If you turn around, there might be a little package somewhere behind you. Fee might be able to help you find it. There might uh, be a special package for you today for Podquisition. Oh, there it is. Sorry, I turned around directly behind me was nothing but a bag of uh, pizza-flavoured mini cheddars, which are quite good, by the way. Uh, oh. Oh, is it? No, that's... Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> Hang on. Holy shit. M- myself and Fee may have been conspiring. Mate. That is a fucking ingot. <laughs> That's a fucking ingot. What, 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 is, what is your response to now having been in the presence of an ingot? It's, I'll tell you what, right? I'm made up with that. I, oh, it's, it's heavy. It's sharp. I mean, I imagined it would be. Oh, you could kill a boy with this. <laughs> uh, 
the primary use of an ingot, to my understanding. Did you send an ingot to the house, Laura? Uh, Fee may have gotten an ingot sent with me helping to wrangle how can we surprise you on air with that an ingot. That is amazing. That is amazing. I've been aware yeah. of the presence of an ingot for a while. I've seen images. They've been long gone. <laughs> so you could just buy an ingot? Yeah, you could just buy an ingot. I must admit, last week, I was looking, I, I, I typed ingot into Etsy <laughs> to see what they had. Um, but this is just a full-on legitimate ingot. Um, for the listeners, it is a... God, I mean, how long is that? Maybe six inches or so? Five? Six? Hang on. Uh, no, it's bigger than my <laughs> dick. Um, <laughs> but it And it's thick, not thicker than my dick. Yeah. But um... <laughs> My favourite thing I'm aware of with this is I was not present for this, but apparently it got put through the post box, which meant it made a very satisfying oh, thud wow. as it hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, that would have just been... A, like, let me... I'm not going to hold... Like, I don't want to ruin the desk. Um, I'm just going to... I've got my... A newer mic set up, so this shouldn't disconnect it. Uh, I'm just going to lift it up maybe about an inch away from the desk and then drop it. Oh, wow. Oh, that's satisfying. That Heavy boy. Yeah, oh. that, that fell from like waist height going through the post. Right. That, that, that was a satisfying thud, I imagine. That could have made a, a chip in the, the floor. <laughs> These dexterity <laughs> with the hiding and revelation of an ingot is incredible. Because I, yeah, they, they, they've left the room, left me to it. And so I didn't see it until you told me to turn around and suddenly there was an ingot. So I've, yeah, it, it's been in the house for a little bit. It, we were just discussing how and when to reveal that you now own an ingot. <laughs> I fucking love this. Hopefully that someone balances out that someone fucked up your nails. Because oh, you absolutely. own an ingot. You, you can go beat them to death with an ingot for their crimes if you need to. <laughs> this is this is my acrylic nails on the ingot. Oh, oh wow. god! Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, nice. God. Yeah, if I carry this around, I can like just at the drop of a hat, always be ready to go. Steph, it is beat a quarter. Oh, good, ooh. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, this is perfect. This, this is, is everything wonderful. I hoped it would be. Just uh, was oh. it iron? Steel? I, I think it's I think it's a steel ingot. Oh, I'm not it, certain. I think it's a steel ingot. Big sort of dull silvery grey sort of thing. It's lovely. Ah. Uh, it is lovely. You know what else is lovely? What's that? <laughs> Video games. Video games? No. No. <laughs> Some of them. Well, alright. Well, There's occasional lovely ones. The occasional in video the, games. The, the, yeah, I'll grant you. Occasionally you root your hand around in the sewage and you find a good video yeah. game. A man took a photo of Phoenix and I on Saturday. Yeah? Or was it Sunday? Yeah, there was a street festival in town for the fucking Jubilee shit. And it was World War II. Like, people were dressed in World War II stuff. I guess to celebrate the fascism that never got defeated in the UK. Mm -hmm. So we turned up just looking queer as fuck. Yeah. Uh, had my rainbow plaid top on. Uh, with um, my denim jacket full of badges with pronouns and queer shit on it. And a man was just like, can I take your photo? I'm with the camera club. It's just for me. <laughs> and so we just said, okay. So then they just had a picture taken of us. Aww. And then apparently an old lady was behind me. If he saw it, I didn't see it. But some old lady was behind me, like looking me up and down with her jaw dropped at the height of me. <laughs> so that was something. And then a little girl, a sort of, oh. sort of, I want to say like very early teens or summer, 
um, with her mates, said quite politely, and I think sincerely, um, I like your dress. So I said thanks. And then we got halfway down the street and just heard her yelling at her mates. No, that wasn't a sexual assault. Oh, my God. (gasps) So that's what the... uh, Apparently, that's what's on the kids' minds these days. (laughs) Whether or not compliments in the streets constitute sexual assault, which I suppose is... (laughs) Some form of progressivism, but anyway, uh, I wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> um, oh. uh, it was all right. I oh god, I had the best pork pie and the best sausage roll and the best scotch egg, but we don't know. It was a, one of the stalls, but we don't know which shop the stall belonged to, and it's probably for the best. So you you had you had like a street festival thing uh, in in your area. I had uh, people shooting each other in the streets in oh, my god, neighborhood. Oh god, yes, sorry, yeah. I meant to get back to you about that. Are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. Whatever. I I wasn't out there, but uh, yeah, no, it's like I don't know around eleven thirty at night. I was going to bed, and we hear some sounds that do sound a bit like gunfire and that's a little settling and then there are people sort of running down the uh the street near me and then some fights broke out it was wild um like it was really sort of strange and and unsettling um i'm still not entirely clear on on what happened um it seems like an isolated incident of some people having a a dispute at that uh escalated but uh boy it um mm, mm. i'm glad you're okay that is why no it's, but it's nice to remember that not every mass shooting is as a result of some you know teenager with an ar-15 mass shootings could be done with lots of guns in lots of places at lots of times well, in America. Just just like 99% of them are disaffected male teens in America. But, yeah. you know, occasionally, yeah. occasionally yeah. You, you shake it up a bit. Well, no, because we don't report on the other ones, frankly. If the body count doesn't get high enough, if the or if it's not, you know, a teenager doing it at a school or, you know, one of these sorts of places where, you know, we get all up in arms about it specifically and we can extend our hopes and prayers... You know, mass shootings happen in in the United States all the fucking time. Yeah. We just hear about them every two, three weeks, maybe once a month, because that's the one that rises above the general noise of mass killing in this country. Yeah. Even if those were the only ones that happened, I would still define that as mass shootings are happening all the time. Right. They're happening a lot, yeah. Yeah. That's still far more than there should be. Yeah. See, now, now we can go with a segue that's like, and you know what else is like constantly <laughs> happening and actually, we can't do anything to stop it actually we can't oh no no we can't sorry to do one more thing but i just remembered i wanted to just thank everyone and bo- including oh, yes. both yourselves for being on it oh uh, we did a, a charity fundraiser um this past weekend you know following just a, a constant wave of um uh, anti-trans um actions in sort of culture and the legal system and everything i i you know, decided to raise some money for Trans Lifeline and Points of Pride, uh, two organisations designed to help uh, trans people. And um, Conrad was on it, and Laura was on it, and we had a whole bunch of other guests. And bet- between the two charities, we were able to raise over $10,000, which is wonderful. So thank you to everyone who was on the stream, who watched, who shared, who donated. Um, that's meant a lot to me personally, and will just mean a lot to trans people everywhere, because we are 
facing some really scary shit at the moment. It's a lot. There are people who want us dead, uh, quite literally. Um, two prominent transphobes recently. The mask has been coming off. Yes. Um, it's it's. They've been saying the thing that we all knew they were saying in far more direct language in recent weeks. Yeah, two very influential, politically powerful transphobes recently. Friends of J.K. Rowling, by the way, uh, were talking about how they want to reduce our numbers, like they're running pest control on us, how the fewer people that transition, the better. It would be ideal if there were fewer trans people. Doesn't mean it matter if they're happy trans people. It's still a failure if they're trans. Even people who de-transitioned, the fact that they in any way attempted transition uh, is enough to get rid of them. Um, in these people's opinion. And these are very yeah. powerful politically people who have the ear of government and media. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just being able to raise that money meant a lot. And, yeah, thank you, Conrad. Thank you, Laura. And thank you, yeah. everyone. Uh, it, it, I had a bit of a breakdown at the, the recent Florida ruling that had Medicaid strip um, yeah. thousands, possibly millions of trans people of um, gender-affirming care, both surgical and hormonal, uh, and as someone who, you know, considers HRT as having saved their life, um, completely turned my life around, uh, that's horrifying. I had a, com- I, it actually broke me, so being able to feel like I could do something um, has helped me personally and, and will go on to help many other people uh, with that money. So, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, and you know what else? What? Has made money. <laughs> video games there we go yeah they're, they're, they're pretty profitable you know what i prefer that transition to the bit where about a minute and a half ago i was going yeah. to have to attempt to segue from mass shooting to video games yeah, yeah. I, I had a segue ready but it was gonna be awkward as hell either one of those transitions wouldn't be enough to please helen joyce the genocidal oh prick. so i i've been playing the video game thing this week yeah I'm I'm gonna jump in with one. Yeah, I've been playing around with another little emulatory device because I've I'm just I'm just fascinated with like the world of emulator things that exist. Mm-hmm. And the one I've been trying trying out today is the Miu Mini. M I Y O O Mini. It is a tiny little device. Um, the best way I can describe the form factor is either if you took like a modern smartphone and halved its height, but kept right. the rest of the proportions in place. I'm having a look now. Or took a Nintendo Switch and cut it in half sideways, so it's half the width. It's That's a pretty close approximation to right. it. Um, it's not this thing I'm looking at, like, images of that's sort of Game Boy-ish. It's very Game Boy-ish. Okay, it is, yeah, I'm looking at the right thing. Yeah, screen with barely any bezel at the top, and then you've got D-pad, ABXY down the bottom. Yeah. Uh, mine came in a nice sort of see-through blue plastic that looks very nice. It's very, very small, right? Yeah, it is a tiny little device. Mm, it, yeah. It is basically positioning itself to be the, like, emulator device that is actually pocket-sized. It's your sort of Game Boy Micro-esque, throw it in your pocket, not have a big thing taking up bag space. And I am very pleasantly surprised with it for something this size and this uh, price point, because I think it's about 50 quid. It's it's definitely on the cheaper end of these kind of devices. It is the perfect like display ratio for Game Boy Advance games, which is the main thing I imagine myself play- playing with this. Game Boy Advance games look crisp as hell on this. While while they've gone very small form factor, the screen is clearly one place where they haven't scrimped to cut costs. It is a very bright, very high contrast, very nicely detailed screen. 
I was pleasantly surprised with the fact it can play PS1 games. Really? That's... No, that ain't bad. Yeah. And when I saw that it had PS1 support, I was like, okay, is this going to be like I can play your 2D games like your Castlevania, Symphony of the Nights, your stuff like that? No, I was playing around. I played some Final Fantasy IX on it. I played some Resident Evil, Resident Evil 3, I think, I, I had preloaded on it. That is cool. Yeah, and it plays them pretty darn well. Um, The screen aspect ratio is a pretty good fit for PS1. It handles 3D stuff on that platform very well. It doesn't do anything above that, so like N64 or anything further up in the 3D realm it doesn't do. But for something that is like a really tiny, like, the battery is like a third of its weight is the battery alone. It's a really tiny little device. It's got a surprisingly decent quality speaker. It boots games up really nicely. It plays GBA and PS1 reliably well. I'm pleasantly surprised with it. Like, I'd been looking for something that was smaller than... Uh, that I could just throw it in a handbag and not really think about it for when I'm traveling. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really neat for that. I think the size of it would probably... I would find it uncomfortable to do action-y games on something so small. I think, yeah, with my meaty paws. Yeah. But but things that are a little more like, uh, you know, like RPGs or, you know, where I'm not having to really, like, time and actively be... Pressing. That's the thing. I I recognize that like my tiny hands definitely help with this, and like this is not going to be a great fit for everyone's hands and for every kind of game. Sure. But like I've primarily like been playing around with it, doing stuff like um a bunch of GBA ROM hacks of Pokemon games. Yeah, that that it, sounds perfect. It works really nicely. Yeah. yeah. It it is a beautiful beautiful display and a surprisingly it feels like a surprisingly well made bit of kit for something so tiny. And if you don't mind the fact you it's quite a small thing in your hands. It's it's pretty nice. I was I was pleasantly surprised with it. That's great. Yeah. What what about both of you? What have you been playing this week? Steph? Well, we've all asked the question, haven't we? What would it be like if Stan from American Dad Right raced a cart against Corvo from Solar Opposites. We've all asked that question, haven't we? <laughs> oh, oh no. God, this is that fox cart racer thing. Introducing you to the world of games I download on my phone early in the morning when I've woken up before everyone else and I'm really fucking bored. <laughs> Warped cart racers. Okay. It's on Apple Arcade. All I know about this is it's got Peter Griffin from Family Guy in it, and that's the only knowledge I have of it. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need to know. Warped Kart Racers. <laughs> it, it it merges the worlds, <gasps> some would say at last, of <laughs> Family Guy, American Dad. King of the Hill. Yeah, Family Guy, American Dad, oh. King of the Hill, and Solar Opposites. I was just watching King of the Hill last night. I love that show. King of the Hill is fucking good. Yeah. I'm looking at all three of these and going, I feel, uh, all four of these and going, I feel like three of these have done a better job of like justifying their existence. And they're like, ah, oh, fuck, we, we, we put three properties in our multi-property race and we need another, fuck, fuck, what do we technically own? Solar Opposites? Sure. <laughs> People will maybe know that. Yeah, so um, Solar Opposites is probably the, the least known of these, but that's um, a Hulu yeah. cartoon that was done by Justin Roiland. It's... Imagine, like, if Rick and Morty wasn't funny. 
Oh. And cue, uh, you know, half the listener base saying, I don't have to. I've seen Rick and Morty. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I do the joke, so you don't have, you really don't have to. Listeners, we're the funny ones here, okay? That's why they pay us to do a podcast and not you, right? They don't hand out microphones at the fucking door, do they? Um, uh, what? Yeah, so it's it's just a shit racer, but I'm just so amused at the idea that someone out there was chomping at the bit for Corvo from Solar Opposites to race Hank Hill. I mean, <laughs> I mean look, I wouldn't have thought it would have been my jam, but now I'm looking at an image. Hank Hill... Is in uh, is on a ride on mower, and therefore well, of course. this is a great video game. Well, what else would he be riding? Well, exactly. Uh, any of the other cars. None of them are exclusive. I was going to say it makes more sense than the only other car I've seen, which is Peter Griffin riding riding a car that is blue. Peter Griffin is the car. It's him, but blue yeah. is a car. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's just shit Mario Kart. You can pick characters from these four franchises <laughs> only two of which are really related in any way i guess there's some novelty in king of the hill the good one um being among all the others but it's it's hardly sma- like the smash brothers equivalent of a crossover um they just smashed four cartoons together and called it a day um races are incredibly straightforward uh the tracks aren't very complex the Things you get, like the weapons you get in boxes, are just the equivalent of a missile, a homing missile, the banana peel. They're all different things sort of taken from shows. And then there's like a battle thing where you just, like there's a big arena and you run around picking up weapons and shooting them at each other. And that's it. But it was something to do for half an hour when I was bored one morning. Uh, and it's on Apple Arcade, so, you know, it didn't cost me anything than I was already spending. And I Thanks to the old ADHD, I completely forgot that I had Apple Arcade, so every now and then I just try and download something to justify still paying the money for it. So that's what I did with my life, and it's still on my phone, and I've I've not touched it since I played it the first time. And that's that. I've got an ingot. You do have an ingot. I'll spend more time playing with the ingot than warped cart racers. Why is it even called that? Like, it's got nothing to do with anything. I'm, I'm guessing it's, oh, we warped the characters into one world. Oh, yeah, I, so, oh, I got it. It, it sounds, it sounds horrid. Yeah, like it's, it's not, it's not a bad game. It's just, why would you play it when you could play literally any other cart racer? Unless you really, really, really want to see the world of American Dad and King of the Hill collide. <laughs> I mean, it's what I've been waiting my yeah. entire life for. I didn't know I was waiting for that, but I can die now, I guess. Comrade. It, it, it's just satisfactory. Satisfactory is all I've played. I know you were going to ask, Laura. Conrad, what have you played? I've just been playing Satisfactory. Yeah. It is staggeringly good. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I, so I, I have now expanded, uh, I just recently got oil production going, which means rubber and plastic, um, and I have now reached the phase where there's a big jump in complexity. You have, you know, a lot of items that you build that are parts that initially, you know, it takes one item, one resource to build them, and then they require two resources to build them. Well, the next automated step is four, 
which is that's a huge jump in terms of now how am I going to organize and what are the logistics going to be to feed a four unit thing? And I've got to make multiple. I've got like everything I have to make now requires four resources. And that's going to be uh, the rest of my week figuring that shit out. But hypertubes. I want to talk for a second about hypertubes because hypertubes rule. Um, they are a personal transport system in the game. They're conveyor belts for you. Mm-hmm. And they're tubes. And you connect them up and you power them at each end. And then you go in one and it sucks you in. And it goes to a third person view. So you can look at the environment and your factory and the, you know, the world around. It's beautiful for the travel time that it takes you to get to the other end of the tube. So I have built a tower unto heaven of these things. Eight of them shooting straight up into the sky, like 200 meters or so to branch off and connect out to the other various work sites that I have constructed in this world. And I've got two of them built to go to places and the other ones are just sitting there empty waiting for me to expand. And you go up in it and it's just – it's like Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. It feels so fun. I've just – I spent an entire day just making tubes and sucking myself in and out of them. They're incredible. It's I love it. Huh. Um, and I'm and I'm about to get trains, and and then it's going to get real. Which I'm going to need them because I I need to centralize all of my resources. There's too many things I'm producing now, and too many of them are necessary to make things together with. So, oh, uh, it's it's a really if, I fuck Factorio. This game is way more fun. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Satisfactory is good, and 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 you should play it if you like building factories. Uh, what about you, Laura? Uh, the only other thing I've been playing, and I've I started it this week, and I've not put a huge amount of time in, is I've started uh, Hard Spray, Hard Space Shipbreaker. Yeah, I played a little bit of that last week. Yeah, yeah. So I'd wanted to, I'd wanted to start playing it. I'd been watching, I'd been watching my wife Jane play a bunch of it, and. The main thought I kept having was, I like the idea of this, but I don't want to be stressed while I'm doing it. Yeah. Because I love the idea of just floating around, slowly, methodically dismantling a thing in my own time, nobody bothering me. There's a mode for that, isn't there? Yeah. 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 That had been the thing putting me off trying it until James was just like, oh yeah, no, there is a mode where you can just like turn off the oxygen meter, turn off the time limit, so you'll just... Getting on with the job in your own time. And it's great, too, because it presents those options right at the start of a new game. Yes, and I'm super glad that I did it that way, because, like, sure, some of the actual gameplay elements that would make me have to, you know, think about how I'm playing the game and optimize things, some of those are gone. The trade-off is I get to just leisurely float in space being very satisfied as I cut bits of metal apart and throw them into a furnace and get told I did a good job. That's very satisfying. And I like that there are degrees of that too. Like you can choose to not have the hard time limit, but have limited oxygen. Yeah. So that there's a some of that, you know, challenge in there if you want it. Yeah, it's it's not all or nothing. Yeah. But if you want to turn it all off like I did, mm-hmm. it's been very satisfying in the same way that I was really enjoying Lawnmower Simulator. Yes. It's that sort of... I don't want any hassle. I just want to get on with doing a job well done and do the entire job and go, 
look at how perfect a job I did. Yep. And this has been really good for that. Um, I really like the maneuvering system. Mm-hmm. A game where you have full 360 degree movement in space. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I was saying last week. Like, this is, I was mm. kind of shocked at how navigable uh, the that perspective is. Because pitch and roll would just throw me completely. But it stabilizes well. The braking system for movement works really well. Yeah, like, this, this is the kind of game that, like, can go really really off the rails for me really quickly, particularly in first person, because sure. I'm pretty prone to motion sickness, and games that don't do a good job of allowing me to control my momentum in first person can be a real recipe for getting real sick real fast. Yeah, And I've completely avoided that in this. It's It's just been a really smooth experience. I've felt totally in control while I do it. And it's very satisfying to just, like, float into a little ship and start, like, right, I'm going to spend ten minutes going around finding every little yellow connector where two walls are connected together and use my little laser to break them apart. Um, and then I'm going to go through and find all of the, the pieces that are too big to move and cut them sideways. And I've just got this floating massive ship I can all at once start throwing bits around. I'm very early on in it, but I think I'm going to lose a lot of time to this. Oh, yeah, I could see. I could see that happening yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah, playing it with like all of the, the things that would cause me to have to actually stress turned off, this is this is my kind of methodical plodding along kind of kind of game. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I I'd also encourage people to if you want something chill, it it is that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Steph? You playing anything else this week? I'm still laughing at my ingot. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm very glad the ingot is satisfying. This is fucking incredible. Um, you put you put a couple dozen more of those in a big you know canvas bag. You can you can pretend you're going on a on a a bank robbery. Oh, I got all my ingots. I could. <gasps> I could do that. I could look like I robbed an ingot bank. <laughs> um, right. I have been playing, and I didn't have much time this week. Uh, I wanted to play more games and more of this game to talk more about it, but. For the first time since it's come out, years and years and years and years and years ago, I've been playing Binary Domain, the Sega-published third-person shooter that has a really, like, like, a a fan following that, like, really loved it, but nowhere near a big enough following for it to have been successful. This was a... uh, Third-person shooter, around about sort of your your Gears of War era kind of thing. Uh, So it's got a lot of those trappings um, with with cover-based shooting and a weapon select system and reload system, well, reload button mapping. In fact, all the button mapping is basically just Gears of War. And your enemies are robots, really nicely designed robots that you can shoot the legs off of and they sort of blast off or you can shoot the heads off the robots and then they get confused and start firing at their friends. Really cool, even by today's standards, the uh, destruction effects of the robots are really cool, just sort of bits of metal shrapnel flying everywhere. One of those games that's very satisfying to shoot because you just feel like your bullets are chewing up um, the metal limbs of the robots. Its big gimmick at the time, which I immediately turned off, was voice recognition. Uh, They tried to push this really fucking hard. Um, Your squad will respond to orders you give them. There's a list of recognised words, so you can be like, you know, cover me, and yell it out. Which I didn't do when the game first came out, and I sure as shit ain't gonna do it now on my Steam Deck. Um, 
largely because I don't think the microphone can hear me over the Steam Deck's own speakers. Uh, so it's just not really working. Um, so I gave it like one go, got as far as the game understanding me saying the word yes once, and then I turned it off. Um, so you can instead issue very simple commands by holding down a shoulder button and selecting from a, a list of words. They did try and sort of push that, uh, which is weird because the game itself does nothing gimmicky enough elsewhere to it's such a, a standard mechanically uh shooter that it's weird they tried to get really clever in one direction and just leave it at that in a game that ultimately hasn't made any real historical dent uh and, and i remember at the time i think i gave it like a seven out of ten back when i was doing game reviews it's a very solid good shooter but it's one of those games where numerical scores uh don't do the best job because, you know, we're in a, a a community, a culture where you look at a seven and think it's not very good. Right. Even though I was always adamant at the time, like, if I give something a seven, I'm saying it's good. I'm saying it's worth looking into. Because it is, it's one, it's got a lot of heart to it. It is an absurd, over-the-top game in terms of its story. It's, And its story is trying to be cleverer than the whole entire game is, but it's so committed to it. Like, it, it delves into these, um, like, robotic technology has advanced to the point where you can make robots indistinguishable from humans, but that's illegal, but they've started happening anyway, and the robots don't know they're robots. So they really play around with that. They get into that Blade Runner shit. Into that Blade Runner yeah. shit. The game had an incredible trailer back in the day, which I, I remember seeing it e at E3, and I can't really remember the details, and I should have looked it up, because I remember thinking it was really good. It was similar to the, the original Dead Rising one, where it's like the trailer made the game look more deep and, and compelling than the actual story was. Um, there was something about, like, a pregnant woman who, like, um, it was, like, some sort of corporate ad, and then as the camera pulls back, it reveals she's got, like, metal legs uh, and stuff. It was really well done. How dare you suggest that the story of Dead Rising was not... Oh, not Dead Rising! Uh, ...compelling and, and rich. Dead Island! Oh, Dead Island. Oh, oh, okay. Dead yeah, Island. Fuck Dead Island. No, Dead Rising is, you know, like, that's, <laughs> that story is like the Red Shoe Diaries of modern yeah. media. Uh, right. You know, compelling, compelling stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I meant Dead Island, sorry. That, that, you remember that one had that trailer uh, yeah, that yeah. was in reverse? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Um, but Binary Domain is still really neat. Uh, it's one of them games that have a little yellow question mark on Steam Deck. So it's like verified playable, but might not be perfect. Right. The button prompts are all keyboard. It recognizes a controller, but doesn't give you any prompts. You've just got to kind of suss out what the keys pertain to. But because it's very similar to Gears of War, it doesn't take much. And yeah, it's it's got a strong fan following. Uh, people who liked Binary Domain, If it's one of them games where if you bring it up around someone who likes Binary Domain... They'll let you know they really liked Binary Domain. Ah. Uh. Considering maybe streaming some of it, because it is it's it's a silly game and it, it was never gonna make a huge mark on history, but it cares about itself a lot. It it really is one of those games that just commits to what it's gonna do. And and yeah, the, the only issue I have right now is um at least in game the options are very limited. 
and the camera is wild. It is so sensitive. Um, and the characters move with a sort of soapy glide. So it's it's difficult to not overshoot when you're looking and running. It can be a little skiddy. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, it's solid shooting, a silly script. It is fun. Playing it on Steam Deck especially is... Um, it's enjoyable to go back to it because it's, it's a nostalgic game and God... Games I reviewed as part of the job I still have can now be qualified as nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It's retro. Binary Domain is retro. Yeah. I remember when it was new. I remember before it came out, I went to E3 and I saw trailers for it and I saw <gasps> developers telling us how great it was going to be. And, and and now it's retro. I was having a conversation on stream the other day. I can't remember what game it was, but we're like, oh yeah, that, that game didn't come out that long ago. Oh, it was 15 years ago. Fuck. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, no. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's no good. It's no good. I don't like the passage of time. Can we take a break from that, please? Right. I just, I, I just like subsist now off of the times I get carded trying to buy a Red Bull. <laughs> and then the shock. <laughs> Like, like, fees cottoned onto the, like, where I get my self-esteem from. So if I don't bring it up, if I get carded for an energy drink, which they do in sort of supermarkets in the UK, fee will be the one to go, God, not bad for 38. <laughs> Just so that when the, the, the store worker registers utter shock and apologizes profusely, I get to feel good about myself and my looks for a day. Uh, and I don't, they always apologise. It's happened multiple times now. We got carded for glue today. Yeah, never be sorry for thinking I, I, I look youthful. That is not a problem. Yeah. I keep accidentally thinking I'm a year older than I am. Oh. Like, this has been going on a lot in the last, like, couple of months. I keep saying I'm about to turn 43. Uh, but I'm about to turn 42. Yeah. And... That's startling. And I'm and I've got one of those, you know, I'm born on a zero year, so the math is easy. So I can't really tell easy. if I'm just forgetting how old I am or what year it is. I mean, we're in a sort of period of history where everything's merging together now. It's mm. I feel like instead of bit breaking things down by years, months, weeks, or even days, I feel like we're all just having one really long, really bad day that has lasted years. <laughs> I think that really sort of hammers home what a, uh, a human construct, the co- the very concept of time and dates is, because this has just been one long bad day. I think I think the problem is that time basically paused for two years, and now we're trying to catch up to the what the date is meant to be, and that means we've had to like really sprint through. And I think if we overshoot a little bit and think we're further in the future than we are, because we've slingshotted a bit too far. I think that's very understandable. Yeah, I think so. When you were a child, did you ever read a book called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? No. I am aware of the book, but I've never read it. But that sounds relatable. It's it's very relatable right now. Yeah. 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 <sighs> and, and, and there's a running gag in the book where he wants to move to Australia because he thinks it's better there. <sighs> it's... It's bad everywhere, Alexander. Terrible. <laughs> You'll learn that when you get older. <laughs> I've I've uh. re- just noticed there's a bottle of Vaseline, uh, petroleum jelly, on the desk, and I'm right now resisting the attention deficit urge to loop my ingot. <laughs> it it could glisten so much. 
Yes, but I don't think you want a thing that heavy no. made easier to accidentally drop on your feet. Yeah, because let's face it, clumsy, clumsier fuckers I am, this is going to end up on my feet at some point. This will break a foot. Yeah, you don't need help making it easier for you to accidentally drop it and break your foot. Particularly when you got wrestling at the weekend. Well, God, yeah. I think if uh, this podcast has ever been about anything, it's to remind our listener base to never lube your ingots. <laughs> Don't, don't carelessly lube your ringer. No. Uh, yeah, if you're going to lube your ringer, if you're going to lube your ringer, make sure you've got a spotter, someone to take care of you if you drop it. <laughs> um, never do it without adult supervision, of course. And if you're the kind of person who wants to lube your ringer, anyone more sensible than you can count as your adult. <laughs> I've got to get this petroleum jelly away from me. I'll start lubing up everything. Oh. Well, hopefully I can distract you with news, because we got some of that this week. Have we got news? Alright. Yeah. So, I know it's not technically E3, but it's kind of E3 week this week. It's the week where all the press conferences are happening. It's not... It's not E3. E3 isn't happening, but, like, I'm gonna call it E3. But we got some news. We got some news about the future of E3. The ESA definitely, definitely, definitely believes that it's going to survive long enough to make another E3 next year. That's a shame. Ignore the fact that we haven't had E3 the last several years. Ignore the fact that no one wants E3 anymore. No one needs E3. The ESA, they're like, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. Jeff Keighley isn't going to take over forever. We'll we'll be back. Good for them. Yeah. You know what? I... I think it is ambitious of them to believe that uh, that that E3 can survive having been gone this long. I mean, I think mm. it's. I I think it will be back. I do believe that. I believe there are far too many people who seem to think it's important and that it matters. I think the lesson we should have learned in the past few years is that it isn't important and that it doesn't matter. I think the thing that and we we talked about this last year with E3, and I think that like. Having a year where the pandemic is kind of winding down and there's still no E3 is just going to hammer this home even more. All of these big publishers that put so pay so much money to the ESA to be a part of E3 have to realise that they don't have to spend that money. They can just do their own live stream on their own time that week and not pay money to the ESA for the privilege. Well, I think what we might see is very much a, a smaller scale E3, because I do think you're right there. Um, you know, Nintendo, years before now, um, like years before the pandemic... They were ahead of the curve on this one. Yeah, yeah. They, they were doing Nintendo Direct um, many, many, many... Like, I was still working, I think. I was still attending E3 when Nintendo started doing that kind of shit. That's how long ago that was. That was when... Re- current day retro games were new uh they were they were doing that shit um and obviously we've seen uh sony has been focusing more on its own sort of uh what do they call them state of play state of play yeah yeah uh the state of jim ryan by the way is that he's still a prick um just thought i'd add that out there yeah Funnily enough, they did a state of play last week and he was conspicuously absent from that. How curious. Huh. How curious. Strange. I will say, I mean, there there are aspects of the E3 experience that aren't going to be replicable. No. Um, and, no. and, and things that are, are good for lower level, you know, you know it's not... It, the companies are all going to benefit more from... 
doing their own shit, or at least the really big ones that are monopolizing and dominating the industry anyway. You know, the smaller industry players are, are, are might take a hit because they don't have a space to fit in now with the noise from the larger ones. You know, they're not going to have a guarantee of access the way that they used to. But I also think it's it's not necessarily great for the press. Um, it's it's not necessarily great for game workers who, you know, a lot of people who attend E3 are, you know, people in the trenches who get the opportunity yeah. to meet with people at other companies and maybe get a better opportunity for themselves. Um, communication opportunities for the industry are increasingly rare. And that's the aspect of this that's going to to really be lost, unfortunately, if, if E3 doesn't come back. Here's my thought. I suspect what may end up happening is that that element may end up living on and coming back as some kind of in-person event. I genuinely believe that Jeff Keighley's probably going to end up running whatever, yeah. some kind of in-person competitor to E3. Um, if you look at this year's stuff, Keeley has really moved in aggressively to brand everything happening this week, not as E3, but as Summer Games Fest. Mm -hmm. And he's really made an effort to be, in the absence of E3, this first week of June big batch of, of live-streamed conferences is all under the Summer Games Fest banner. Even like the, the state of play that happened a week ago, a week before like the big batch, went under the banner of the Summer Games Fest. I could really see a world in which Keeley goes, here is the Summer Games Fest in-person press event, and really muscles the ESA out, out a little bit. And you know what? Maybe that is not the worst thing. Because I think there's long been a problem of E3's uh, scope mm. growing bigger and bigger, and then in later years trying to, you know, manage the bloat by introducing the public into it. Yeah. Um, and I think if the Keeley stuff can satisfy the public end and E3 scales back to be a smaller event, mm. um, everybody could win. Yeah, I, I'm very curious. I, I think that the ESA thinking that they can go back to being what they were as if nothing had happened is ambitious of them, and I'm mm -hmm. curious to see how that plays out for them. What else do we have on the docket? Um, oh, so you remember a little while ago we talked about... Um, the third Bowser involved in Nintendo. There's Bowser the Big Dragon, there's Doug Bowser, who's the new Nintendo of America head, and then there was Gary Bowser, who got arrested for, for piracy stuff. Right. Do you remember this? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we got some information about, about what's been going on with Gary Bowser. Um, so, first of all, he got sentenced to 40 months in prison. Um, Fucking fascism. Yeah. Apparently, was like that jail term was designed to be a deterrent mm -hmm. which you know it's one of those we don't think your crime actually deserves this much prison time but we want to scare other people so we're going to punish you extra for that you know what i call that evil yeah evil yeah a little bit a little bit you don't deserve this punishment but we're gonna do it anyway to scare other people that is fascist and nintendo can go fuck itself for that yeah yeah so, as has been pointed out, Bowser's in, like, he's he's in bad physical health, and they pointed this out to Nintendo's lawyers at the time, and they were like, nope, make an example of him, lock him up for ages. 
He's apparently basically spent his entire prison sentence so far, his first 16 months in solitary confinement, for having helped people pirate video games. Fucking hell. He's spent 16 months having at most one hour a day not in a solitary box. It's... Because he's got physical health conditions and he's COVID was a serious risk for him. So they're like, oh yeah, we're not going to reduce that 40 months of, you know, making an example of you. We're just going to lock you in solitary. Unreal. This is not what good people do. Like this, Nintendo wants to paint itself as the fucking hero in this. That's not what good people do. Yeah. Like, I don't agree, you know, with with pursuing piracy as a criminal thing to begin with. Sure. Yeah. But if if they absolutely must, it should never carry a jail term. It should never, like, carry a prison mm. sentence. Fines, at the most, I, I wouldn't even agree with fines, but the fact you would overreach from fines is despicable. Despicable. <sighs> yeah. So, the reason why they went for such a large prison sentence, Nintendo was pushing for higher. They wanted him in, in prison for five full years. Their argument uh, is that he de- he caused more than $65 million in damages, and their reasoning for that is, we had to issue a slight revision of the Switch that didn't have that exploit in it so that it couldn't be so easily hacked. No, you didn't. And therefore, he is responsible for all of the money that we put into updating and releasing a new version of the console, all of the money in revising the hardware to make it less piratable, that's his fault. Nobody forced you to do that. Yeah. There's a legal system in place that you are availing yourself of to address this grievance for you. You did not have to take that step. You chose to take that step in reaction to this. You were already taking the legal avenue. That, oh my fucking god. Yeah. That is, that's insane. Yeah, so it's a real fucking mess of a story. Yeah, Bowser's, Bowser's side is still trying to fight to get his sentence lessened because they're like, hey, look, someone, someone who was basically had to spend 16 months in solitary during COVID out of what was already a needlessly harsh make an example out of you sentence, this person's fucking been punished for, for this. Don't make him spend another... X number of years in solitary, that's just gonna fuck them up. fucking ridiculous, is what it is. Yeah. You know what else is fucking ridiculous? For a third time, we've had a news story happen about classified military documents being leaked to settle an argument on the War Thunder forums. Oh my god. This is the developer of World of Tanks, World of Warships, uh, that whole set of games. Yeah. So we've, we've had this happen multiple times. People will be arguing on the forums about, like, ah, oh, that tank doesn't move at that speed, blah, blah, blah. Here's some classified military documents. At this point, it's a guessing game. You just have to fill in which country's military's documents were leaked and what type of military hardware were the documents about. <laughs> Do you want to make a, a hazard a guess? Because at this point, you could just throw darts at a dartboard and have a pretty good shot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... This this time round, it's the Chinese military. Um, classified doc- documents for the DTC-10-125 anti-tank missile were leaked. Fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this one's even funnier, this story, because 
this wasn't even like fine. So usually when this happens, it's because the developers have done something like released a, a new thing into the game in like the, the full public version of the game and people are complaining about whether it's accurate. This was in like a test version for a very small slither of people that they said up front, a bunch of the new the numbers and stats are just placeholders. We're just trying to check whether the tank itself like physically works all right in game. And they were arguing because the placeholder stats weren't oh right. They, they'd leaked classified documents <laughs> to settle an argument about what were only ever meant to be placeholder values in the first place. Unbelievable. Uh, no, believable. What am I saying? Yeah. Everything's believable now. Yeah. So we have a quote <laughs> because they keep having to issue these quotes and it's fucking hilarious. While we understand that our players want the game to be as realistic as possible, we're kindly asking them not to do anything illegal and jeopardise their safety, as well as the safety of our community team. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this this time it's China and and miss anti tank missiles, but like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my pencil on the board for next time. I think it's gonna be Germany, and it's gonna be. How anti-aircraft guns work. Now, imagine, I mean, this is just, this is just opening up an avenue for state actors to, like, you know, hire some intern to go and try and dig up military secrets <laughs> through these fucking message boards. It's a pretty good cover, apparently. Ah! Like, it, it seems to be working. Unbelievable. Uh, we got some more good news about unionization in the games industry this week. I like that. Yeah, you know we've been talking about the um, the QA workers working on the new Dragon Age, yeah. um, and how they were doing a union vote. Uh, they voted unanimously in favor of unionizing. Yay! Excellent. All sixteen workers have voted to unionize. They're currently getting started on the 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 various negotiations involved. Excellent. Fun fact: they've already seen a pay rise. Even before the vote went through, wow! Because they started talking about unionization, they already got a pay rise. Trying to make them like stop talking know, oh, about you don't you don't need to unionize. We'll give you some extra money. You don't need a union. It's amazing how much money these corporations can suddenly find. Right, right. With their billions in profit, it's amazing how they're willing to pay you to make try and dissuade you from unionizing. It's almost like unionizing will financially be in your favor. Yeah. It's almost as if they could have just given you the money. Yeah. It's almost like that. It's almost as if they're using your labor at a significantly lower cost than it's actually worth. Yeah. So that they can continue uh, making profits in an ecosystem we have where the cost of living keeps going up and wages do not. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so as a, as a reminder for this, um, these workers were told they had to go back into working in the office. Um, this is at a time when COVID was still a concern. They also pointed out that like full-time Bioware employees were being treated differently. They were allowed to keep working from home. They had paid time off sick, paid time off after a positive COVID test, which these QA workers weren't weren't getting. They did get told eventually they could continue to work work remotely until further notice. That did not dissuade them from pushing for unionizing. Neither did the pay rise they got given. They unanimously voted for it, and that's really positive. Yep. And I think this is this is this is the second games industry union in like two three weeks. I th the snowball's happening, and it's just gonna keep going. I think. I hope. Yeah, one can only hope. So, 
Yeah, that's that's it. I think that's that's the main things. Yeah. All right. I think I think that's it for this week. Hey, that's nice and snappy. Yeah, nice and snappy. But I'm sure our listeners would love to snap up some new content. <gasps> and Laura, I do believe you may be able to provide that. Oh, I can. I can. You can go find me at Laura K Buzz in all the places: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Look out for more updates soon about Who Hunts the Whale, that novel I've been writing with my wife. We just finished our our second development edit on it, so it's basically feature complete now. We just need to do spelling and grammar checks on it, so it shouldn't be that long before it's a physical book that's in your hands. It is that definitely fictional, definitely fiction fiction book about the video game industry being a terrible place to work sometimes. Go Go check that out, Who Hunts the Whale. Other than that, just Laura K. Buzz everywhere. You'll find all my stuff. Uh, what about you, Conrad? Oh, you could find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You could also follow my cat, Potato Wand, who is just a perfect angel. Uh, that's at Instagram, uh, One-Eyed Potato. And you could purchase anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks or Conra- at conradreads.com. Listen to me on Let's Talk About Snacks. And everything I do gets supported on Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Hey, gang. It's me, James Stephanie Sterling, and I have a Patreon, as Conrad just alluded to. It's at patreon.com slash jimquisition. That supports uh, pretty much all the stuff I do in the game-related space. Uh, I also stream at twitch.tv slash jimsterling, um, almost always on Mondays and Wednesdays, and then sort of any other days in between. I also have a couple upcoming wrestling dates. On this very weekend, Saturday, uh, July 11th, uh, June 11th rather, uh, is the UK's first ever LGBTQ plus wrestling event, Pride of the Ring, uh, where I will be in uh, tag team action uh, with a mystery partner against the Ring Rats. Um, That's in Blackpool at the Funny Girls venue. Uh, Tickets available still, I think we have some at buytickets.at slash PCW on August 20th is the debut show of uh, Avant-Garde Wrestling, uh, their debut show Fine Art, where I will be appearing as the director of ceremonies, um, basically uh, hosting the show. Uh, That is in Newcastle. And also, I do believe I'm more or less confirmed now for the next North Wrestling show on July 9th, although I also believe that show's already sold out. Uh, And I will keep you abreast of all my live appearances as and when they happen. Uh, Until then, uh, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. Bye.